and we're live in five, four, three, two, and one. Hello, everybody out there in college golf world. It's another week. That means another edition of the Any Given Tuesday podcast. I'm Coach Jason Payne, grabbing the wheel of the Any Given Tuesday Sprinter Van. Ryan Shotgun, as always. Coach Brady Gregor at High Point. Brady, how you doing? Happy to be here. Happy to be anywhere. Um, seems like I always get the passenger seat on this thing, but you getting up there in your old age, I'm sure I'll be having to drive pretty soon. Yeah, you know, I mean, I just keep it over here in the right lane doing 55, you know, and uh, just trying to keep it between the ditches, you know. Hey, man, as long as we uh, can make it down into uh, former Georgia Bulldog country and over towards that way in Atlanta today, we'll get to where we're going. Well, we've we've pulled it in here. You know, we, we were just circling Atlanta on 285, and we've gotten off on 75, and we're here in the state of Kennesaw. And we get to welcome Coach Bryant Odom into the van, the head coach at Kennesaw State. Coach Odom, how you doing? I'm doing great, Payne. Uh, just got my feet kicked up back here in the, uh, the captain's chairs, and Xbox plugged in the van and that Wi Fi working okay for you back there? You know, I've got assignments to turn in, so we need to get that fixed. <laughs> the new video game, 2K for golf, that just came out. I'm sure uh, all the guys are going to appreciate it when we get that for them. Yeah, can, is there live tournaments on that? I mean, that's, that's what we need a virtual college. Uh, at least maybe we can create some players on there. Why wouldn't we play five count four against each other remotely? And, you know, have our five guys play and keep a score and compare it to all everybody else's team since we can't really travel and compete this fall. I, yeah, we got to get creative. I'm full gainer mode right now trying to figure out what course I need to play every day. <laughs> I know, man. We could uh, we could get a mean coaches tour going right now. Dude. Why wouldn't we? Why, why don't we get at least a coaches four ball and, and Brady and I can commit to throwing that together? Would you play at them? I, there's a good chance, yeah. yeah. When is the time to do it? First week in November, you think? Oh, man, that would be really good. I mean, have it somewhere cool, you know, where it's nice and fun and not expensive, but get all the coaches together. We're not going to have a convention, and we can almost call it a convention. That would be uh, that would be pretty cool if we could uh, get it together. Um, I mean, yeah, let's, let's the southeast, early November is a great time of year. Down at uh, yeah. like Kinderloo or something. Oh, that would, yeah, that would be great, something like that. Uh, did you see the Nick Saban D's Nuts article? I did. Oh, I love that. No, Odom was the one that sent that to me, Payne. Okay. Yeah. Well, it's, it's nice to know that I have something in common with Nick Saban. Absolutely. All the true coaching geniuses appreciate the D's Nuts. It's really the uh, true genius of coaching. You know, share with us a little bit about how, how you there at Kennesaw State and all the other coaches, how you guys are going to be handling um, practice hours and, and how that's going to set up for for you there at Kennesaw. Well, I mean, we usually jump right into it as soon as we start in the fall. You know, with uh, I mean, our first weekend we'll, we'll jump into a qualifier and, and have a retreat and start 20 hours right off. But this year it's, there's just been so un- so much uncertainty with how many hours we can have and when and, and how often we're going to have to test. And, uh, I mean, just yesterday that the department for us put out a schedule for our teams, and um, we're going to start eight hours, I think, uh, the 7th, and then do that for two weeks, and then we're going to go into 20 hours. And we've had our gateway test for our athletes. You know, we're at the low priority 
for, you know, so that's risk. Risk. Yeah. yeah. There you go. Mm-hmm. So obviously, golf is is relatively safe compared to these others, and and we've had our gateway test to begin the the semester, and looks like we can just jump right in uh, in a few weeks and have fairly normal team activities. Uh, the biggest, I think, the biggest thing that's going to be different is you know in the weight room, guys are going to be more in, in pods. Uh, everything's going to be set up at their their rack and do it there and. You know the, the the Olympic weight room is flooded more than usual because teams are broken apart because of uh, you know the maximum allowed into the room at one time and so there you know there won't be time for the guys to get free workouts extra workouts in and it's you know that stuff's going to be challenging but uh, I think you know they'll they'll get into the routine and start to feel like they're having a normal semester outside of travel. Yeah, I, I think you brought up the point of, hey, on a normal year, right when these guys get on campus, boom, we're, we're going and blowing and, and right into that 20-hour segment and starting with qualifiers. Looking back now to, to see how, since we've been in school one week here at Charleston Southern, how it's kind of been nice and refreshing to be able to get these guys on campus and kind of have a week or two or, two or more to get things going and have some team meetings without having to start that segment right away and start qualifying, kind of get everybody up to speed at a, at a more of a gradual pace. And um, it might be something that some coaches do in the future is maybe starting their segments a week later or so in the future, just because it's been nice to get everybody cleared and tested instead of being trying to do it so quick. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of truth to that. You know, we're, we usually start the second week of September. The past few years we've been playing up at the farm, and obviously that wasn't – an event this year they they decided to move on from that but you know we were still going to play that weekend in another tournament so when we start school on august 18th you know that first couple of weekends we have we need to jump into qualifying and stuff and this year without travel it has been nice to kind of just take it in a little bit slower like that let's, let's have our meetings a little bit more relaxed and um you know make sure we got all our physicals done and just get into the flow of college uh, instead of just throwing them right into the fire pit of college and golf and being a student athlete. So that's that's kind of been nice. I will say on my uh, on my end, I think some of the guys though too, they get a little antsy. They get in here and they've just been, especially your upperclassmen who know that even sometimes the first day you get cleared for for practice, you're you're growing into qualifying, and that's normal for them. Yeah. Uh, but and so I think I've I've kind of got the the temperature that some of my upperclassmen are a little antsy, like, hey, when are we going to get going? Um, I I even yesterday I had probably I guess I'd say my first bogey as a coach with all this pandemic going on because we have a two week delay in weightlifting just so everyone that gets back and and basically gets tested and is cleared. It's not it's something that if if it does get into your team, it's it's been got on it's been. Um, put through your team on campus. So um, I had the guys up early. We're going to have morning weights at 6.30 a.m. And we get to the weight room and we're ready to rock. And uh, our strength coach never shows up. And we actually had to do some burpees because uh, a couple guys were late to our original team meeting. But Uh-oh. once we got there, they, uh, I realized I looked through some emails and I forgot we were on a two-week delayed start. So September 1st wasn't even our first day to be in the weight room. And, 
here I am having the guys up at 6.30. So uh, I told them they were welcome for their walkthrough of weights, and everyone knows where the weight room is now. And then you apologized and took them all to Waffle House, right? Because you felt bad. <laughs> Let me just follow up. You, you say you made a bogey. I mean, it seems like everybody's making bogeys right now. Yeah. There's no, there's no preemptive things w- that we can do or that we've been able to pr- uh, predict or there's no precedent. It's all reactionary. That's, that's college sports, politics professional sport. I mean, that's everywhere right now. That's what's making this all so tough is people want answers and, like, nobody has answers. Well, and I would go ahead and say that the coaches and teams and athletic departments that kind of have been taking the wait-and-see attitude on some long-term decisions, I know there's – within our conference, there's a lot of decisions being made about our conference championships that aren't until the end of April. and why are we making decisions on that right now has been some of our conferences fr- frustrations when no one knows exactly what that's going to look like. And, I mean, especially in golf, one thing that I take a huge stand on is, I mean, these guys, we're the only sport that have, have, have has had two seasons taken away from them. And, and my AD actually said it best. He said like all the other sports, soccer, volleyball, those fall sports, they're just having a season moved to the spring as of right yeah. now. We're actually as, missing meaningful part of our season. Absolutely. And so that's where we've, our conference, like, as coaches, we're trying to take a strong, strong stance of, like, this is why this conference championship this year needs to be the best these, these athletes have ever experienced because they're the only sport that have lost two two seasons of playing time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I mean, we, we often we're, we're forgotten because we're not technically a spring sport. We're yep. a year-round sport, and that just just gets overlooked because our championship isn't in the fall. Things are changing you know, every day, and, and I've jokingly told told our team here in Charleston Southern this week. I said, you know, I don't know a lot of answers to the question. So when you ask a question, my favorite answer is going to be, I don't know. I just coach here, <laughs> <laughs> and and. You know, things change daily, and uh, that brings up, you know, uh, would love to hear your viewpoint on an email we got, I believe it was yesterday or the day before, about on the next meeting for the golf championships cabinet, um, the recommendation from the golf committee to temporarily suspend the 500 rule in Division One men's golf. What's your thoughts on that, Odom? Well, it's – I don't know how they're going to do rankings at all this fall. If you know if if Big Twelve and SEC continue to have their seasons, I don't know how you can do rankings at all. And if they are having their season, it's kind of hard to just beat up on each other and not have some form of uh, record to show for it. Um, you know, I mean, who's top forty this year? Everybody that plays, right? Well, I mean, I would love to see the coaches poll, and I would love to see some teams in the coaches poll that don't even play because they wouldn't have had to lost anybody. Yeah. I mean, I played my era of college golf. There was no 500 rule. And we used to play the same teams, it seemed like, every event. And they were the big events. We'd play in Mexico. We'd play in Vegas. We'd played the Schinkel. Uh, Hilton Head, the old golf world. Yeah, just phenomenal tournaments I look back on. And I knew at the time they were great events. But it's like now I look back on it and I was like, man, we really played the same teams, but the best teams every week. Clemson, Georgia Tech, uh, Florida, UNLV, 
Texas. You know, I mean, it was like every event we're playing with these same teams, and but we didn't worry about the 500 rule. There was no such thing then. But we all knew we were pretty good, and I, I don't, I don't know how you can get back to that. To be honest, I mean, there's, there's so many good teams that are mid-majors and that that don't get the chance to play in some of these really big events to really promote their power ranking, but yet the 500 rule gives us a chance if we do get in a few of these big events. From an individual standpoint, with the PGA Tour University coming out, that's kind of what I was thinking about. I was like, and I guess the whole thing on the 500 rule with me is absolutely there's an argument for it to go away this year, but let's be honest. I think if we lose this thing, it ain't coming back. And so I'd be okay from this year with the stipulation that it comes back. I mean, who's ultimately going to control this decision? It's going to be the powerhouse teams, and they're going to put together their own events where there's 15 teams there that are all top 30 in the nation. Yeah. Uh, And they're just going to beat up on each other every week. And you know what? One week they might finish 15th, and the next week they might win it. Well, I just I just think back to like look at a player just just this is he he comes the most recent to mind is like Stephen Fisk, right? Mm-hmm. There's no 500 rule. Does he even get a play in some of the events that Georgia Southern played in that year? Yet is his ranking top two? Which if the PGA uh, University was in place, he'd have a have a place to go play on some type of tour right out of college. Where if the 500 rule isn't there, he probably doesn't have that option. And so that's what I'm thinking is going to be taken away and lost from the game. Yeah, they the players like that, they need a, a, a strong ranking system to give themselves a chance and, and fairness towards postseason and a career. Yeah. I, I mean, I don't think it's something that can be fixed in one year. It would take, you know, like the FedEx Cup took years to really to get like where – it felt like, all right, you know, this this point system works now. Yeah. Uh, you know, now you win the tour championship, you're going to win the FedEx Cup. Was it 2009? Phil beat Tiger, and he didn't win it. So, you know, they've tweaked that, and I, it just it just takes time to figure these things out. And I don't know what's the right way to do it, but well, I, I think us us as coaches got to do a really good job of communicating with each other our desires because when we say you know, the, the Power 5 programs might drive the narrative on this 500 rule. Well, there are more programs playing college golf that are non-Power 5 than Power 5, so we need to be the one driving the narrative and, and do what's best for really the majority of college golf and uh, to come up with a system that is great for the student-athletes in the game because, Brian, you're right, college golf has never been more competitive than it is now. And when you look across the whole landscape of the game, how many great coaches are out there doing great jobs at a, at a ton of programs. And you look at even the job like Christian Newton's doing out at Colorado state, you know, the job you're doing there at Kennesaw, even the job Brady Gregor's doing at high point, you know, just a few years ago, high point was a complete afterthought in college golf. And, you know, now, uh, you know, ultra competitive and, and even went undefeated against all the big team, big 10 teams they played last year. So <laughs> technically Brady Greger should be the big 10 coach of the year. Right? <laughs> well, Hey, I can say, like you said, we need to do our part a couple podcasts ago, if you remember, and I'm sure he'll listen to this. I already got Burson on board. He said he's for the 500 rule. So Burson, we need you to 
stay to that. To that, we're going to need your voice here. And I think too that if you know, it would be great. You know, if, if the 500 rule does go away, like we anticipated going for this spring, and you see some mid-major team teams get hot, we need to support those teams and almost call out, you know, some tournaments to maybe let in that that team last minute, so they can play in some higher-profile events, and just call them out and say, hey, you know, you power fives need to play against this team to show that you are better than them or not. It, you know, if the 500 rule goes away, it's going to take some big-name teams to get their feelings hurt, and then they'd have to raise hell again. Because, it's, you know, it always comes down to the ranking committee with when it's borderline. Yeah. You know, whether it's an individual trying to get into the regionals or it's, it's a team on the bubble or some guys they know more than the other that – deserves to be an honorable mention versus the second or third team. It, it you know, it's it's always political in a sense, but for the big big programs to to see it our view, they need to have their feelings hurt at some point and I I'm not I don't know how to do that. I I don't wanna be involved in that stuff, but that's just the way it is. Well, the only thing that I guess it kinda of goes back to a little bit is accountability on these head coaches if the 500 rule is in effect to schedule correctly i mean yeah we i mean i remember when i was first getting in the business i don't remember what year maybe 14 or 15 um i mean i think texas a&m they were 33rd in the country and didn't get in because they were under 500 (laughs) and uh i really believe like if you're not finishing in the top part of your events and the tournament's you're going to, you didn't have a good enough season to go to postseason. Like that's, that's, that's what makes the, our body of work all year and why we are a year round sport, not just fall or not just spring is the body of work. And if you can't show that you've consistently showed up, no matter who your, who your opponents are each year, I don't think you had a good enough year to go in. If you can't say you beat more than 50% of your competition, no matter what level you're playing on. Absolutely. I mean, there's, some of these programs, they play in the best tournaments every week. And, you know, and it's because they can get in those, and that's great. But like yeah. us, our, our squads, we're happy to get in a few of those. But ultimately, we, we're still trying to be above 500 as well and be powerful enough in our ranking. And you're right. I mean, if you played 12 events every year and you played the absolute – best college golf tournaments there were, you know, you're going to Hawaii and you're going to Cabo and you're going to Floridian and all this, you still better finish in the top 500 because that's what you chose to do. Yeah. You you know, too, when you're, when you're a team playing, you know, a really strong schedule and if the 500 rule does go away and you see a team, you know, let's say play five or six events this fall, let's say they have a winning percentage of 300. How does that mentally play into your team too, to where, they get just accustomed to finishing 10th out of 15th every week, and then it's time to go play in a 14-team conference tournament at the end of the year, and they finish 10th out of 14. You know, I think you always at times want to be going to some events to where you feel you're going to be disappointed if you do not win this field. And to put that pressure on the guys to get used to winning, you know, because you don't – winning is very rare in college golf. It's not like we're basketball teams and we show up and play and somebody goes home a winner, somebody goes home a loser. And, you know, there's something to be said for having a winning mentality. And that's our job as coaches. I think that's one of the biggest things we do is to try to get our teams in the right mentality at the right time of year to, you know, 
go win some events and especially when I always feel the most important event of the year is really our conference championships. But uh, sure. um, if not, it's, it's, it's regional. So. Yeah, you're right. I mean, you, it's not fun to go to a really great event and get your doors kicked in. Yeah. Right. Uh, although that looks sexy on your schedule, on your website, right, to go to that tournament. That's not always the best option for your team. Right. Well, the thing is, too, you know, you might see, hey, Kennesaw State went and finished third out of 15th in an event, and you beat Georgia Tech, Alabama, and Auburn. And But just in the headline, you see Kennesaw State finished third, and no one really pays attention, but they don't realize the, the great teams you just beat. You know, and I think that's also part of the, the issue we have in college golf. But if you just weren't in a, a head-to-head against Tennessee and beat them, everybody would say, man, way to go. You know, even yeah, though you right. might be ranked a lot higher than them, you know. Yeah. Well, and that's where it goes sure. back to scheduling. I mean, in full disclosure, uh, love the Big Ten, and it's not like I – mean, I know we're making it sound here uh, like I played a full Big Ten schedule and just dominated, but, like, hey, got to use the platform how you can. But uh, we played them in one event in Florida coming out of the – coming out of the the in, in the in the very beginning of the spring and beat two teams. But when you look at your schedule and you look at uh, where we're playing and what time of year that is in the field, that stuff as a coach you got to consider. And Absolutely. Coaches got to consider that opportunity just as the 500 rule holds those coaches on the other end accountable. It's like, hey, is this what's best interest for our program? And so I think it allows a coaching aspect to the game in a game where coaches – don't have a ton of involvement of what's going on on game day. As in, we're not calling, we're not calling the 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 lag putt. You know, or, <laughs> you know, can you imagine everybody just giving the signal to lag it up there and don't make it? I mean, <laughs> we're not involved in that aspect, but you know, we are involved in in the scheduling and when to take our team and knowing our guys, and we are involved and want to get the match play. But those, I mean, it allows a part of our game that allows us to actually be coaches in a sport where sometimes it's hard to actually do that. 100%. 100%. I, I guess we need to all go hang out with our baseball coaches and get some of that sign language stuff down so we can start using that out there uh, during the rounds with our guys, right? Yeah, like like signals for keep it right of the flag or left of the flag or, yeah. you know, lay up to this yard, you know. Yeah. Right. Talking about uh, playing, I think, and Payne, you'll have to remind me because I don't know all these, uh, all the coaches that we've had playing resume, but is this the first conference individual champion we've had on the pod? It, Yeah, it, it would be, you know. Um, I think Bryant could share a little bit of his, his history, but I think the unique thing for Bryant is he was Coach Hack's first signee at the University of Georgia. And, uh, Brian, you can share us a little bit about some of the highlights of your career, um, which included a, um, two, was it 2,000 individual win at the SEC championship? Uh, 2001. It was the 2000-2001 okay. season, yeah. First year it came to Sea Island. And, I mean, our, our team was hot that year. I think we'd won two or three events going into that tournament. Um, we just won the Schinkle by, I think, like 20. And I'm pretty sure Cassini finished first, Compton second, and me third. So we're going into conference pretty hot, and you know we got a new course down at Sea Island, so we're always we were excited about that new venue. And 
and I got down there and I just I played really well. I, I just remember managing it well. I putted well, and you know, next thing I knew, I was leading by like three or four going to the final round, and I was paired with uh, I think it was Camillo Viegas, or maybe it was Bubba Dickerson. I don't know, one of those two guys. And, yeah, I, can't, I just remember coming up to the last hole and. And I hadn't seen Hack all day. I probably hadn't seen him in two days because I was pretty independent. And uh, I saw Hack on 18 fairway. And I said, what's up, Hack? He said, you're up by four. Fire the flag. I said, all right. <laughs> and I was like, how's the team good doing? He's like, we're good. So That's always that a good was, feeling. That was a heck of a stretch we had that spring. And, and unfortunately, we didn't play that well at NCAA. But uh, I think we, you know, me and Cassini and Compton and Hibble and we still reminisce about those those events. So it was, uh, you know, that's that's some of the memories that I'll never forget is is playing with those guys and and those five years I had at UGA and got to spend a lot of time with Ukraine on and off the golf course. So. Well, I think you know that team is one of the great examples of unfortunately in golf, especially college golf, the best team does not always win. And that's, in a way, kind of the beauty of it because, um, you know, if, you, if you're taking a team to an event that's not the best team, it shows you have a chance. But for a team like, like that, though, it was, I think, pretty clear head and shoulders above the rest of college golf that year to, to leave the national championship, not the winner. Um, that's just the way it goes. But, uh, you know, I think you'll agree, and everybody would agree in that era, that was the best team in college golf that year. I mean, I think the statistics show it. I, it's you know, it's hard to compare with some of the teams from the last few years of Oklahoma State and, and Alabama and stuff like that. But that year, we were pretty darn good. And I mean, we had five All Americans on teams, not not honorable mentions, first, second, and third team. So it was that was pretty cool. Well, that's not the only team that you've been a part of that has. Uh, multiple year All-Americans on. I'm actually not talking about college golf. I'm talking about your tenure as the Wake Forest MVP. Man, Jerry's camps are awesome. I miss, uh, that's one thing I miss about this summer is obviously recruiting and golf camps. Man, that, those, uh, it's, it's awesome. Even in, at a camp that they get so much golf information is these kids just get so fired up for the wiffle ball and I'll be yeah. honest coach, I love getting out there with y'all and competing on that wiffle ball field too there's some incredible baseball players that come to those golf camps I mean they're yeah. you, you see that you can see these kids step up there and they're ready to swing and they swing one time you're like man that kid he's just a pure athlete but you know and when we talk kid, about you know, cool, cool things about like wiffle ball and all that, you know, Odom, what, what are some of the things you're going to do with your team this year to kind of keep those guys light and, you know, entertained and, and hungry for what we will have hopefully this spring as a season. Yeah. I mean, some of the stuff we've talked about doing is, is like some Ryder cup matches, um, break it up into like three teams of three, uh, do some like round robin matches. Uh, we've even talked about doing some mixed mixed stuff with the women's team, pairing up with them and playing, you know, just something different. And uh, Eric, my assistant, and I were we're starting to talk about 
how we can do like a point system on based on uh, set you know set up like some two day events this this fall for our guys and do a point system to where you know the top points uh, guy that gets the most points maybe the top two get an exemption for the first event in the spring. Mm-hmm. So I, think, I like that. I think some stuff like that. We're gonna you know we want a lot of player input on it on how they want to set up some competition and and pair up we got their buddies and you know I mean I think it's it's a good semester that we can get better by just by connecting and, and doing it different ways. And, you know, these guys are just hungry. They were, they just wanted to be back with their teammates more than anything this fall. So, so you, you haven't went full pain and moved the basketball goal into the locker room or anything. We haven't done that. No. <laughs> you, you know, what I think too, is that, you know, we're looking at, you know, obviously doing an alumni match and stuff this fall and, trying to use what we can in the rule book, um, you, you know, to our advantage. And uh, I, I think that's going to be our job as coaches where we'll provide our value this year is all the ways we can keep these guys sharp and entertained and, and see how ready for the spring we can get them because it just shows you how important that spring is going to be now and really how fortunate that we're, we are in the south. Because if you can imagine, if you're a school up north not getting to play in the fall and you got to come out of that cold winter, to start that spring season in February, there's a lot of lot on the line. Yeah, and and a lot of those teams up north, they've had, you know, they'll schedule trips to Florida and, and Texas and Arizona, but I don't I don't know if they'll be able to do that this spring, just for prep, you know, in, in January and February. Hopefully they will. Hopefully we'll be getting some semblance of normal so that everybody can be on the same playing field. But I don't know. I just it's. Thanks. The spring has is, is got to be 50-50 at best right now, I would think. Well, you know, Coach, that, that shows that we definitely need to have a van driver four ball sometime here in November <laughs> and get all of us coaches together. And there is no doubt that we've appreciated your insight this week. Coach Gregor, do you got anything left for Odom? No, just hope that he doesn't team up with Donnie Ballgame in the four ball because – from those Georgia golf camps, I hear they're a deadly combination. <laughs> well, instead of I think instead of team their team name instead of Deja Vu, it would be Deja Brew. Good <laughs> <laughs> chance for that. So, okay. but uh, hey, Odom, I hope leave us with a little UGA memory off the golf course. Oh God, you know. Um, I think the best, the, really the best memory that, that I think we really have is is they all blend together, but one of the early years of the, of the golf camp when we're all college students and we're working the camp. And this was really before you, you, you had an alarm clock that set on a desk and, and somehow we didn't get up early and we're supposed to be getting all these campers up early to go to breakfast. And um, we get a knock on our door and it's hacking his tidy whities and he's waking us up and we didn't wake hack up and we're all jumping around and he goes, man, we got to get these campers up. And so we go and go knocking on the door to wake these campers up. And hell, they've already been all up and they're dressed. And all of us coaches and, and college counselors are running around trying to get showered because we'd all overslept. And, uh, oh, um, Hack, Hack that was definitely in his tidy whitey. <laughs> so, uh, back then he wore tidy whitey. <laughs> so, uh, it was just, you know, the, the funny things that, that's one of the great things about college golf is the amount of time we can spend together as coaches and 
and all that on the road, re- recruiting and, and coaching. Um, it's a lot more than being on other ends of the field or other ends of the court in basketball, football, or in opposite dugouts like baseball. We get to walk shoulder to shoulder while we're recruiting and, and obviously then when we're competing too. So that's obviously pretty special. And it's been special having you with us today. And we look forward to our paths crossing again soon. And we appreciate everyone listening out there at any given Tuesday. And a thank you there to Bryant Odom in Atlanta for joining us. Just happens to be Tour Championship Week with the tour heading to Atlanta to East Lake. And joining us right now, we've got Curdy B joining us. So we've got the threesome happening here. Going to go over what's happening at the Tour Championship and we'll get a little pick your poison. But big news in the golf world this week, I guess, would be the addition to the Everybody's McElroy having family. kids this year. It's a hot year. Hot year for kids. Man, I guess, you know, all the money Rory's making, he just needed another, you know, deduction on the taxes and another dependent to fill out on his IRS form to help out all the earnings he's going to be racking up this week with the FedEx yeah. Cup Championship. His, his accountant's probably thrilled. It will be interesting to see on <laughs> in this week how he performs uh, being a recent father. Um, there is a little bit of what I would say of a hiccup period couple weeks after you have that baby just getting your dad game ready um i can speak from experience even curdy b did but i mean week three i think was kind of the sweet spot for curdy b or i mean he he just came out and won the club championship in style like nothing nothing had happened so he's got his dad game going now well you have to revamp your whole game because he just lost 10 yards i mean he's gonna be coming up short on every par three this week i mean that's that is a fact I'm speaking from experience playing with painter and him having three kids, a hundred percent. This is a true statement here. <laughs> Every kid that you have, you lose 10 yards off yeah. the tee. So, I mean, painter was hitting it three thirty back in, back in his day. Now he's down to 300. But man, it just reminds me, I need to go get a vasectomy. <laughs> I mean, if, if, if the tour can't change the golf ball, I mean, they might as well just end vasectomies and then people will keep losing. <laughs> Yeah, he's, he's darn kids, and he started having other kids. But I also wonder, once you get to Roy's level and you show up in Atlanta, I mean, is it just like you're going to play in the club championship because you got no cut? You know, you're guaranteed to take home some money. And, hey, you're like, hey, if I play well, I play well. If not, I, I'm, you know, I'm banking points and money in my Charles Schwab account. I mean, it's, it's a win-win for these guys. A million dollars or more this week. And there's only 30 of them. I, I did I did see that. And what we don't know is it is is at that finishing 10th, how much of that is cash and how much is, of it is deferred. And that might just be the cash payout. And they might be getting more money in that deferred Charles, Charles Schwab account, which is just like stealing. I mean, those guys, once you make that top 30, you just make out like bandits because no matter how you play, other times or going forward that gets you in the masters next year. And, and I think all the other majors as well by finishing in, in the tour championship, I believe you get in the U S open, the British open and the PGA as well. well. What's crazy is, is like, this is actually the, I, I'm right. I'm right with you in the fact that it would feel a little bit like a club club championship or, or match play or some type of, or even closer to like a net, uh, at a club event because as the way it stands right now, 
Rory's actually going to have to give seven strokes to Dustin Johnson. So now he's going to get to feel like what Curtis has to feel like every time he goes out and has to give these guys eight to nine shots on nine holes at his, as his club championships and stuff. Yeah, it's, it's not fun. It's not, it's not fun. So That's it's, true. it's not, <laughs> actually, I, I heard this earlier and I'm curious what y'all think. Would it be better? Like, would you feel more comfortable if Dustin Johnson was 10 under and last place was even? Or if Dustin was at even and last place was at 10 over? Ooh. Well, you know me. You know I love when the golf course played like a U.S. Open like it did last week. So give me even par and put everyone else above par. Screw them. Yeah, that's kind of – I mean, I don't – start with a 10, you know, at 10 under. I don't know. I think I'd feel more comfortable being at even and everyone else at 10 over because then I can feel like I'm going more under par. I feel like I'm going to choke it if I'm already at 10 under. I also want to know because of that, because of that staggered starting scoring, how many of these guys are showing up on now since we have a later start we're starting on friday but how many of these guys are showing up on monday or tuesday and treating their week normal or if you're a guy like rory that just had a baby does he show up on thursday at noon eat a little turkey sandwich and he goes out for nine holes on thursday afternoon and just says hey i've played here the last you know 10 years i know what this course is like i'll just tee it up tomorrow seven shots behind dj and well see how it if we out. had a bigger uh media relations department we could probably get kistner on the phone and get odom back on real quick because they're probably hitting the night scene to downtown atlanta right now <laughs> they're, they're, they're probably doing donuts with all those street <laughs> racers down in buckhead right now you know they're probably seeing what the new you know club car um tempo yeah. they're doing on the it won't be long before they get atlanta. kicked out of that club too <laughs> <laughs> but one person you gotta gotta take note of probably uh he's he's in that group that one of the most recent to come out of college is and i didn't even realize it and i don't think he got enough uh maybe press as he should have because you got matt wolf actually getting in the winner's circle a little bit but i did notice um our boy hovland in the top 30 yeah, I mean, you know, Hovland, he's so still fresh out of school. I think he still has some study hall hours to fulfill at Oklahoma State. So he might be is still he, having to hit some Is books he going to be something. rookie of the year? I mean, because he was Corn Ferry Tour finals last year, I remember. I don't know. I mean, is it is Scheffler on his true rookie year? Because if so, it might be Scotty Scheffler. Yeah, I think Scheffler. Yeah, I believe Scheffler is a rookie. Remember. Yeah. Dang, that's pretty. That's pretty good. Just coming right out and making yeah. top thirty. Well, I guess it thinks of like how how the tour views it. Because I know, like at our conference championship, when we're voting for all conference and different things, we actually hold that vote until the last round. And I mean, if we got two guys that are close in that freshman of the year race. I mean, I look at conference to see how they put because that is like the most in- important tournament. Um, in my opinion, of the year for us. And I think it's just a little harder to judge this because of with the staggered start. Mm-hmm. But if um, Hovland was to come back and, and, and pass 
uh, Scotty, which he looks like he's only two two shots behind. I mean, do you go ahead and give it to Hovland? Well, hang on, Brady. I think we both know that if our conference was deciding this, they'd probably just make these two guys have a chip (laughs) off over on the chipping green on Monday afternoon to decide rookie of the year. All all ties all ties should be separated by chip offs. That is. RIP to uh, to the shop credit tour. That's that's something nothing shop credit tour. I think would happen. Well, one thing that would do is it definitely would save time and it definitely would be cost efficient. Yeah. Oh man, uh, I did hear that. You know, little connection to college golf that Scotty and uh, Victor did both play pretty well at East Lake in college in their uh, collegiate tournaments there. I think they both were medalists from what I heard. Yes. So so I know we've got a tight race heading here. It's all tied up. Last event. We – ready to rev- – For all of the uh, flack that I've been me. getting all season of our, of our faithful friends, I just want to say I'm a playoff contender, and when those – Double and triple. I mean, count on Zach Blair shooting me that 80 because he knew he had a trip planned down to his property that he was going to buy. And uh, Jason Kokrak just got it done for me last week. So, yeah, we're all tied up, boys. You're, and it's all on who we think is the worst good player. You're pretty much having a Dustin Johnson year. You shot a couple 80s. You've won the last two weeks pretty much in the playoffs. And now you're top of the leaderboard. So we're here. We're we're all we're all starting at ten under though. That's right. Staggered scoring. <laughs> all right. Well, I'll go ahead and lead. I'll go ahead and lead us off. Well, Brady, I'm going to lead us off. Lead us off. I'm going to go with right. Na na na. Kevin Na. I just for some reason, I just never have been a Na fan. Can the guy play? Yes, but like ever since. He's Mr. Cannot Pull the Trigger in whatever PGA Championship we were watching a few years back. I just – just I just never left my mind. And so I'm going to – I hope he – I think all these guys are good, but – Dude, I used, I to, I used he, to feel the same yeah. way. And do you remember that 16 he made in Texas that one year? Yeah. I was like a 16 or 18 like, or something. Yeah, it was the highest score ever mind. on tour, right? I mean, he's a total head case. And then watching him win at Colonial, um, and then he won. Uh, did he win in Vegas? I think last fall. And now I'm like, this dude. This dude's legit. I mean, obviously legit. He's in the top 30, but I definitely yeah. felt the same. Like, what was it that one year at the players? He just could not tee off on that. That hole with where yeah. the tree was was hanging over on that par four. I mean, he's definitely got yeah. some demons. Yeah, I mean, he he looks seems like he's overcome them. He's always like, dude, the guy's had his card forever. But this week, I mean, actually, this might backfire on me because, like, like Painter said, he's probably taking it actually super serious and sticking to his normal routine. Where some of these other guys are probably just having a little fun funded vacation if you will so but we'll see we'll see i mean i might i had my mojo for two weeks so maybe it'll roll maybe it'll leave me back where i started but uh curdy b give us your pick well i am going with the guy who is not playing very well i'm gonna try to ride the hot hand or cold hand or however you would look at it 
But uh, Mark Leishman shot 30 over par last week. There was no staggered scoring. He shot 30 over par for four days. And this was not a D2 college event either. So I'm going with Mark Leishman because things are obviously not going well with his golf game. So basically what happened with Leishman was he finished DFL in his last event. You threw him back in qualifying when he got out of the sprinter van back on campus, and he just still qualified in the lineup, and you as a coach are hating the fact that you're taking him again to the next tournament. It's pretty much a coach's nightmare. Yes. <laughs> well, I'm going to go with a guy who's the oldest guy in the field, Not, but I do really like this player, and I, and I do hope he does play well. But I'm going with him being the oldest player because he's 43. I'm 43, and he's not the oldest player by a little bit. He's the oldest player by seven years in the Tour Championship. Man, field. gosh. Painter, I'm just going to have to disagree. Palmer is a baller. Hey. I think he's going to play well. Can I – He'll, he'll probably win since I picked him. But what's scary is two of the other older guys in the field are Kevin uh-huh. Kidner and Dustin Johnson. You know, so it just shows yes. you, you know, when, when DJ, we used to refer to him as one of the younger guys out yeah. there. He's getting to be one. Can I say something about bets. He, Yes. Didn't he used to play an absolute slinger draw and now he plays like a baby fade? Yeah, he, break, he broke my heart. But, yes, yeah. he used to. He used to sling it like more than Lashley, and he's got he's got that uh, that super flat toe claw lime green grip, and he's always flicking putters. Yep. And if you watch his putter punch stroke, it looks like Kenny Perry's golf swing. I mean, it's all <laughs> it's all over the place. I mean, the dude scores, and I just like every time I watch him, like how does he get the ball in the hole? But I mean, props to him. He he definitely would whoop my butt all over a golf course, but it's uh it's definitely a different a different putting stroke than you normally see. Well, I think uh, even though we're pick, trying to pick the best that are going to be the worst this week, once you get kind of the top of the the best of the best in recruiting, it's kind of a little bit of luck plays into who you're going to get. So all those guys actually play really good and all those guys could actually take so you never even, even we even we can't mess yeah. this up well that's great well uh we appreciate everyone out there in college golf land lending us an ear this week we hope your semester is off to a good start and we look forward Put your to you joining on. us again Stay soon safe. on any given tuesday